You are running frantically on an unknown road. Houses, trucks, then wilderness, city streets. You're standing on top of a rock, looking down on the city. And you scream. You pick up the bullhorn and you scream. The truth is, none of that is real. Actually, you're sitting in an automobile, sitting at a desk, sitting at dinner, sitting up in your bed in the middle of the night. You're hiding, you're crawling, you're waiting, you're trying to hold on. In your dream, you're climbing something that resembles a ladder high above the ground. You're trying to reach and climb over to the solid top of the structure. The so-called ladder is wobbling backwards and forwards. You yell, you scream, but there is no sound. No one can hear your silent scream. How many screams have you screamed? Silently. As a child, as a teenager, as a young adult and beyond. How many days in a week, a month, a year have you screamed inside your skin? Void of sound waves sound waves that never reached the atmosphere, never reached anyone's ears. And what toll has this had on your body, your vessel, your progress, your mind? It's complicated, isn't it? How we all are filled with contradictions vulnerability, strength. At times, we can be so strong, stand so tall. One moment you're a lighthouse, and then one moment you fall and crawl upon the rock, holding on for dear life as the unforgiving waves slam into your soul, your light so dim, glowing faintly in and out of the ascending and descending waves. In agony, you scream as you cry. With tear-soaked eyes, you look out to the left, to the right, not another in sight. No one for miles. No one hears you. But you hear you. You hear your sounds falling, the waves crashing. No one knows when a lighthouse falls. Is that true? What about the little boat far out at sea, needing your light tonight.
Let me introduce you to my friend Phil, the therapist. And let me introduce you to my friend Rob, the artist. That was a powerful intro, Rob. Sitting at your desk, sitting at the dinner table, hiding, holding back a scream. Screaming as a child, screaming as a teen, screaming as an adult. Vulnerable, scared, in agony. It's being held back. It's that pain that's been held back. Psychological pain, vulnerability, being stuck. Yeah. Screaming on the inside. That is dangerous. It is dangerous. It will take a toll on your body, on your soul. And I hear so many of my clients talk about stuffing it. I see this in TV and film all the time, too. I just stuff it down. Stuff it. And that's also dangerous. It's going to be implosion or an explosion. Implosion or an explosion. Now, an implosion is an instance of something collapsing violently inwards. Kind of like a black hole collapsing on itself. And an explosion, of course, is a violent release of energy, a bursting due to pressure. I think of implosions kind of like depression. A lot of my clients struggle with depression. I think we all struggle with depression at some time or another. We often call that anger turned inward. So you really are kind of, you're blowing up at yourself I always like it when my depressed patients kind of lash out at me or yell at me for being late to a session or something like that. I go, yes, I was late. And it's a good sign. The alternative is what? Silent treatment? Who wants that? No one wants that. I mean, I guess some people, some people actually do want that. That's the problem. They'd rather not deal with someone's opinion. They'd rather not deal with the stress that comes from dealing with an issue. So sadly, it probably is encouraged in many situations where someone is silent because of their environment, they're afraid to open their mouth. I think of situations when you were talking earlier in the introduction about screaming silently as a child. We've all been there where you want to say, no, that's not OK, but you're you're too little. You're two years old. You're five years old. You don't feel empowered enough to let it out. No, and if, and if you have not been taught that or just constantly encouraged about that. A lot of families like to keep things quiet, keep things secret, keep it calm. It's don't think, don't feel, don't speak up. I think there's a shift now in families where parents are teaching their kids, do say something. It's okay to speak up. Okay, so you're saying there's a shift, a small percentage of people. What is the shift? I think it's the generations. The silent generation were the worst at the silent scream. And the boomers were a little better. 
the boomers and Generation X is all about protecting your kids, letting your kids speak up. And here in Colorado, there's lots of programs where kids are taught if there's any sort of bullying, speak up. Uh, it's not snitching. Go ahead and get a teacher. You could even bring up so many things, including, say, like the Me Too movement. Speaking up. Speaking yep. up, exactly. That's another scream, the sort of scream of abuse, the silent scream where you've been uh, treated wrongly, you've been abused, you've been mistreated. When you say implosion and explosion, I see more of the implosion, loneliness, grief and loss, despair, rejection. I see a lot of people implode over financial stuff. Finances really press down on people. Shame is a big one, being stuck in the past. Phil, you were saying that you see in the implosion versus the explosion, you see a, a lot more of the implosion, but I'm sure you've probably seen your fair share of the explosion that comes from people holding in their silent scream. I have seen the explosion, and the metaphor I like to use is a volcano where Deep inside the volcano, deep inside the earth, it's the zero. And then as you move up, it's maybe feeling a little annoyed. Something small gets to somebody. Then they get bothered. Then they get irritated. And so the temperature is rising. And then they get frustrated. And the magma builds in the volcano. And then somebody crosses them or withholds something from them or they are wronged and then you get to that seven eight nine anger where it becomes rage explosion i've heard people say they go nuclear they become livid and that's where the volcano explodes and i've seen that in a group i ran in southern california for domestic violence offenders it was fascinating Many people, they're just a few steps away from the explosion. Fascinating slash scary? Well, actually, the reality is that was you or me on a bad day, believe it or not. Some of the people in that group, they were very nice people. And they got in a heated exchange with a spouse or a loved one or somebody in their home. And my favorite, though, I had a, a gentleman show for one session of that group and we usually don't do this, but he brought his wife into the group and he was blowing up at his wife in the group. And I mean like the vein popping on the side of the neck and then on the side of the head. And the guy was like Irish, so he was getting all red in the face. And after they left, and ironically, that group member never came back. He stormed out, said, this is crap. I don't need this. This is stupid. The rest of the group was like, wow, we're really glad we're here. We're so thankful to get these anger management skills. We don't want to do that to our husbands, wives, girlfriends. But yes, an explosion can be devastating and deadly, especially towards your children. Oh, man. Yeah. 
I'm going to take a, a side uh, side road here real quick. It, what this reminded me of was an acting class many years ago where everyone oh, in the class... Oh, you told me this story where, where you had to put a guy in a chair and you let him have it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a great yeah. story. Yes. So the person sitting in the chair basically just represented the person who you're actually going to talk to. Like you had to come up with a real life person, right? And wow, you let it rip, didn't you? You, we actually have a term for that. We call that a haircut. <laughs> when you when you put somebody in the chair and you tear them apart, that's a haircut. Well, I I can tell you that <laughs> I don't remember too much of the uh, of what happened. I the the one thing I do remember is was me doing that, and it was you got you got in the zone, didn't you? You really got into the character. I almost felt sorry for the person in the chair. It was very cathartic, very cathartic. Maybe the guy who never came back got it out of his system. <laughs> been in we actually call them psychodrama where you act out your primitive unspoken needs or angers or hurts one member of the psychodrama will pick a dad i i went through something like this gentleman picked me to be to be his alcoholic father and i played out that role and he just shredded me he just attacked me and he was screaming at me and, and until I figuratively died on the mat in the psychodrama. He let it rip. It was it was awesome. We had facilitators in the moment, you know. That's good. That's that. good. Cause that can get that can get intense. Oh yeah. That can get it intense. Got very intense. I did some work with the LAPD detective training unit interrogation. That got really intense. I heard some stories of some previous situations that they got in. Some people who took the role-playing to the extreme. I, I would imagine that would be tempting, right? To go over the top with that. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, me personally, I can't imagine that just because that's just not professional. But, <laughs> but I can see how some people could really get into that uh, and trigger each other in a really, really bad way. Just the communication is so important to get it out. The problem is not everyone has someone to talk to. Something you think is just so terrible. There's somebody out there in the world who has lived through. So when someone feels that they don't have anyone, it's such a tragedy because there's always going to be someone on planet Earth or beyond. But let's just stick with planet Earth. <laughs> There's, there's a lot more support now. There's hotlines. There's a suicidepreventionlifeline.org if, if someone's in extreme stress. But also, there's this really great group called NAMI, the National Alliance for the Mentally Ill. You can text them and get support on a chat right away. A lot of these websites, too, if you get on the website... You can chat with somebody. It's really important to identify the source of your silent scream. But the problem is sometimes it is very difficult to pinpoint what the issue is, especially when potentially it's a combination of several variables. It's not just one thing, perhaps. You can run, but you can't hide, right? And that's the old expression. Yeah. You should not ignore this. I also like to look for warning signs for either 
the the implosion scream or the explosion for the more of the depression it's isolating withdrawing not not having much fun with things that used to bring you a lot of joy well i used to ride my mountain bike now i don't really feel like it that's a warning sign we call it anhedonia nothing seems fun anymore for the explosion you'll see little explosions You'll see somebody on edge. You'll see somebody agitated. You'll see somebody elevated. They'll be really irritable. Small things will set them off. It's scary. It can be. It is. It can be scary. I've seen it. If you ignore it, if you deny it and ignore it, you start to become a zombie. Just sort of walking through the motions in a fog. It can be self-destructive behavior. Drugs, violence, alcohol. Impulsive behavior, self-harm, cutting, burning, unprotected sex, all of that. Kind of a cry for help. It could sometimes be a way to act out your pain, but it also can be a way to avoid the pain. What do you recommend for people, Rob? I have my different approaches, but what do you think people should do if they're screaming inside? For me, of course, as an artist... So I went through a period where, a high anxiety period, and it was the middle of the night and I realized, okay, I've just got to put this into something. And I didn't have any canvases at the time to paint. I had all these magic markers. I had a few colors. And so I had this sketch pad. I just started to draw with these markers and wow, it really, it really calmed me. So much that the next day, I went out and bought about 90 different colors. <laughs> 90 different colors of, of permanent markers. I went through this phase where, yeah, just for a few weeks, I would do portraits of people that, that I knew. I tell clients to use crayons. Yes, yeah, exactly. Whatever you have, get some crayons and just draw. You don't have to be... You don't have to be an artist. Or write something. Write it down. It's very cathartic to get all that out. I tell my clients, it's good to get that out. And then I have them also so that you can write from your place of pain. But I also, when they have a different energy, write from your place of peace or gratitude as well. I think some of my clients get stuck in their pain and they can kind of dwell in it. I tell them to close the book and stop after a while. Don't dwell. Don't get stuck in the pain. Hopefully, like you're saying, Rob, you get it out and you kind of feel better. Well, think about it. How many, how many artists throughout history have taken their silent scream and transferred it into art? So many. So many artists and I think of musical artists. Picture this, picture this. You're in an arena full of people, the lights go down, and then a massive electric guitar expressed and made into art from the silent screams from songwriter and guitarist Pete Townsend, The Who. Singer Roger Daltrey unleashes a scream for the ages. The song won't get fooled again. Go listen to that scream, go listen to the guitar. Tell me that's not from a silent scream. 
I tip my hat to the new constitution, take a bow for the new revolution, smile and grin at the change all around, pick up my guitar and play, just like yesterday, then I get on my knees and pray. We don't get fooled again. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. That scream is epic, though. <laughs> it really, no, it really is. It is so epic. And it comes in the point of the song where the organ is kind of quiet and it's building and then the scream. And of course, that is inspired by Terry O'Reilly. Uh, listen to our minimalism episode. We, we talk about uh, Terry Minimalist O'Re- music. O'Reilly. Yes. Exactly. Well, and you say Roger Daltrey, I say James Brown. Get up off of that thing. Janice Joplin, you know you got it. The James Brown, I'm putting that in the category of screaming of joy, right? Of course. There's another one. It's kind of, it is a joyous, but it's also expressive. Joe Cocker, I get by with a little help from my friends. Do you need anybody? Scream. Wow. He lets out a rip of a scream. Oh, yeah. He's one of my all-time favorites. He's a great screamer. He's fantastic. What a wonderful voice. I miss that guy. What we've been talking about, artwork, drawing, musical artists, but what about paintings? Well, then we have to, of course, talk about the scream. Edward Munch, one of the most famous paintings of all time, the scream. Do you have that painting in front of you, Phil? I do. 1893. The red sky... The swirling red sky, the tension in the sea. The face is, it's just horrific. You can't look at that and feel peace and calm. That is, it's a nightmare come to life. And it's just fascinating. It's fast. It's got, it's got such an energy that it's just bursting. I recently did a little research on famous people with mental illnesses, the National Alliance of the Mentally Ill speculates that Munch had panic disorder. And you can see panic in this picture. There's a theory that Munch visited a Peruvian mummy exposition in Paris in 1889, where the the mummy was buried in a fetal position with his hands cradled around his ears just like the painting, if you put those two images side by side, it's really eerie. That's a theory that he was influenced by what he saw. Well, Munch did describe the inspiration. He said, I was walking along the road with two friends. The sun was setting. Suddenly, the sky turned blood red. I paused, feeling exhausted and leaned on the fence. There was blood in tongues of fire above the blue-black fjord and the city. My friends walked on, and I stood there trembling with anxiety, and I sensed an infinite scream passing through nature. And we talked about volcanoes earlier. There's a theory that There was a powerful volcanic eruption, Krakatoa, in the Western Hemisphere around 1883-84, and it would have created those nacreous clouds. 
around the latitude of Norway. And isn't the scream, it's an iconic image of anxiety, but isn't it an emoji now? It is an emoji right now. I mentioned how the scream reminded me of a nightmare. I've had dreams where I'm in situations where I can't scream. I can scream, but there's no sound. I think this is a common thing. It is. But it's also a sign that you're having trouble expressing yourself when you're awake. Many times what your brain's doing in a nightmare, the screaming represents built up anger or fear. The inability to scream comes from the fact that our control motor neurons are switched off, which is a good thing because if those motor neurons weren't switched off, we would get up and like walk around the house and scream, <laughs> scream in people's faces. If you take anything away from today, be it this. Ask for help. Ask for help. Somebody out there will care. I know you feel sometimes no one cares. There's someone out there who cares. Even if you're in your worst, your lowest point that you could even imagine, someone out there cares. I care. Phil cares. There are people out in the world who care about you, so please ask for help. Now, it's interesting because when you're in such a, a state of disarray internally, the silent scream that is echoing inside of you, it's impossible to be productive. It's impossible to, to thrive. When you have the flu for two weeks, perhaps, during that whole time, you just, you just miss feeling normal. You miss feeling normal and you think, wow, so much we take for granted. What you take for granted, someone else is praying for. So please don't take things for granted, like feeling normal. So during that time period, I was thinking, okay, you know, I always talk about all the phrases that are on my wall. Once I feel normal again, I have to come up with a phrase to celebrate feeling normal so I don't take it for granted. When I felt better, I came up with this, and I have this above my door now. Feeling normal in all its glory. Feeling normal in all its glory. And look, I want that for as many people. I want everyone to thrive, to break free from this internal struggle. For whatever struggle you're going through, just please ask for help. Phil, what do you got? This reminds me of a model I want to share from a, a clinical psychologist from the late 80s. Edwin Schneidman came up with the three P's, press, pain, and perturbed. You don't hear perturbed very often, do you? I'm perturbed today. The, if you could imagine like a Rubik's Cube and from... The back to the front is your press. Like the first cube is a one, and as you move forward, the first little square is one, and you get up to five. That's your press. That's the pressure of life. That's your stressors. He also talks a lot about psychological pain, and that's a harder one to manage. Pain of heartache, pain of despair, pain of grief, pain of loss. Imagine that pain goes from left to right. And then the height of the cube from the bottom to the top is agitation. That's another way to look at perturbed. 
is that lion in a cage pacing back and forth. I want out of here. I want out of here. That very front point of the cube, that's the danger zone that you want to look out for when the pressure gets to be too much. You can't tolerate the pain and you find yourself, we actually call it activated or agitated. And Rob, you talked about journaling. I highly recommend in your your quote about being normal every day, I tell people to celebrate the small things every day, to, to enjoy, walk outside and watch the breeze blowing the leaves. You see the sun. Here in Colorado, we can always see the mountains somewhere. You might have to turn around. We acclimate by the mountains. You look at the mountains, and for that moment, you can tell yourself, Everything's going to be okay. You can be grateful for what you got. I got a roof over my head. I've got a job. I've got family. I've got food on the table. Gratitude goes a long way when you're feeling that either the implosion or the explosion. I tell my exploding clients to start meditating. Let that stuff go. If you let that volcano explode, it's going gonna, it's gonna to damage relationships. It's going to leave a wake of ruin. And I tell them to just relax, breathe. Nothing's that big of a deal. Let it go. It's easy for me to say that. Harder for them to execute. It's amazing, though, how sometimes it's shocking I would assume for you, sometimes it could be shocking to find out, to actually identify the cause of the of the silent scream and realize just what you're saying. That's, that's it? That's it? That's not a big deal. Big picture, 20 years from now. I even, I've, I even say one year from now. Is this thing really going to matter a year from now? Right. This reminds me, Rob, of You Are Water, one of our other programs, where you spoke about your mind is like water, and often we mistake a pebble dropping, and there's a little bit of a wake. Sometimes we think it's a pebble. Sometimes we think it's an elephant. Falling from the sky. Falling from the sky and causing a splash, but we get the two confused. It's easy to do sometimes. The small thing is not an elephant. And then I've seen people minimize when something really bad is going on, and the elephant is not a pebble. So you have to be mindful and react accordingly, react appropriately. Phil, I know you've dealt with, as a therapist and dealing with suicide, do you want to, do you want to give us a little bit of talk on that? Sure. So I have clients that are actively suicidal. I have clients that have low-grade passive suicidal ideation, and my best friend committed suicide when I was a freshman in high school. For suicide, I think it's worth it to mention, look for the warning signs. Hopelessness. So no sense of future. Isolation. Feeling alone. Aggressive or irritable, especially when it's a behavior change. If you're 
mild and meek teenager starts getting really edgy, that could be a sign. Having lethal means. If you have guns in the home, that increases your risk. If you have somebody there that has depression or suicidal thoughts. With suicide, you see a client feels like a burden to other people, and they don't want to put someone out. You'll see drastic mood changes, changes in behavior. You'll hear morbid talk about death, risky, impulsive behavior. This one's kind of heavy, but for adults, if I were to say, hey, Rob, I got my will in order, and I figured out I'm going to give you all my guitars, you'd be like, what? What are you talking about? Speaking of which, this happened with me, with my best friend Jeff. He gave me his guitar. He had this bass guitar that was kind of his pride and joy. And at the time, I was 14. I didn't know. But that was a sign. Um, substance abuse can enter into this. Drinking more, using substances, making threats. And then you'll see with suicide... This ongoing putting themselves down. I'm a piece of crap. I suck. I'm worthless. Nobody will love me. We need to be on the lookout for ourselves. We need to be on the lookout for our loved ones. Sometimes these are really blatant and sometimes they're really subtle. They are now screening people when you go get your flu shot. I know that sounds crazy. I, that does sound crazy, man. I think that's a little much, man. It, it's a little much, but here's another stat for you. People people that complete suicide, 80% of them have seen a nurse, a doctor, or a therapist the day they commit suicide. Isn't that shocking? That's a shocking statistic. Yeah, the whole subject, frankly, is very shocking to me. I don't like the subject. It's, of course, worth talking about when we're talking about your silent scream. And get support. Get online. Chat online. Call. Text. There's yes. so many. And there's lots of resources for young people. There's Safe to Tell. There's probably other, other apps. But make use of it all. And at least level, call your friend. Call your brother. Call your mom or dad. Call your cousin. Don't suffer in silence. And realize this, if you get it out, if you talk about it, you will be free. Can't happen overnight necessarily. Baby steps, a little better every day. Better every day. Always keep fighting. Yes. Yes, Phil. And on that note, let's go to the closer. When you look at Munch's The Scream, what do you see? Who do you see? What terror? inside of you do you see? Do you hear? When you look up to the sky and see red, your vision gets blurry and everything around you seems like it's exploding, like a volcano. The sky is filled with ash, the fire around you, the fire inside. You've got to express this. You've got to talk to someone. If you have absolutely no one, write it down. If you're afraid that someone will see it, write it down and erase it. But the process of writing will be cathartic. Find your silent scream and paint it. 
paint your silent scream with words with art and start your journey towards inner peace. Investigate your silent scream, feeling normal in all its glory. You can feel normal in all its glory. I know you can. Thank you for listening to the Artist and the Therapist podcast. To stay connected and follow our latest episodes, be sure to subscribe. For more information, email us at info at taattpodcast.com. At